Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and today we're visiting with my good friend Juan Kwok. Juan is the lead pastor of Maranatha Grace Church in Fort Lee, New Jersey, right across the Hudson River from Manhattan. He's been commissioned as a Nehemiah church planter with the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he's also received training with Redeemer City to City. Juan is a husband and father, and he's a great pastor and a great friend. Juan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, brother. Oh, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, did I, did I get everything right in your bio? Yeah, you probably said too much, but no. that's all good. <laughs> you're, you're a proud graduate of, of where? Union University and Rutgers University, and, actually. And, yeah, and <laughs> Rutgers University, that's right. You're, you're particularly proud of that. I know you're proud of your, your union degree, but... You're you're a Rutgers devotee, are you not? Oh man, go are you? And and I think uh, the Patriots and all their uh, championships have um, a lot to uh, to look to Rutgers for. You oh. guys just got the McCourty brothers. Well, the other McCourty brother. Yeah, we just collect them all. Um, hey, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, um, how are things in New Jersey? How's life been treating you? Life has been. Um, can't complain. Uh, life is, is busy. Ministry is busy. Jersey is a very busy and congested place, and uh, it's the, the butt of many jokes, but um, it's the place that I'm... I, I don't like New Jersey so much, but I'm called to love it, and I'm called to be here as, uh, as long as the Lord will have me here. Yeah. Did you grow up there? I did. I'm uh, sadly a Jersey boy, <laughs> and uh, I, I've had a couple of... Uh, um, uh, moves away for college early on, and then um, I was—I I was actually a part of Sovereign Grace. I went to Maryland for about a year to, to, to study at their pastor's college and be trained there. But somehow or other, I've always made it back to Jersey. So, yeah, well, I'm a Jersey boy. Why don't you share um, with our listeners some of your testimony, kind of, um, you know, family background, how you grew up, how you came to Christ, and um, experience oh, called, yeah, 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 you know, called to ministry and all that. Sure. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a PK. Uh, my father was a, and is a uh, Southern Baptist. Well, he, he he's retired now, but he's a Southern Baptist pastor and church planner. And uh, I grew up um, hating my father. Oh, gosh. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's the truth. We we just really didn't have a relationship. There was uh, language barriers to that, that were never really uh, overcome. And by the grace of God, sometime between my junior and senior year of high school, uh, when I wasn't searching for for God, wasn't you know seeking after any spiritual matters or, or things, um, at a at a, a, a youth camp, he he, he saved me. He, he, he during a foot washing ceremony, if you want to call it that, um, he made known to me that I was a sinner in need of his grace. And um, um, in spite of in spite of in spite of me, um, he 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 opened my eyes to to the to grace and he forgave my sin and um, uh, it took it took some time after my conversion um, uh, for for my reconciliation with my father to happen but it has and believe it or not he is a member he's not a member of our church but he is a faithful attendee and uh, I just find that, um, that that's just the way the Lord works he's got a sense of humor and uh, just glad to be able to uh, to, to be someone who who ministers um, the gospel of grace, 
Um, during my college years, I was pursuing, well, hoping to pursue a law degree, and somewhere along the way, God started, um, I started sensing uh, a call to some, some sort of ministry. Uh, I, I, I don't even think I had clear categories of what that meant, but I sought some counsel from friends who were in sem- seminary and um, got brothers who, whom I trusted, and they gave me great advice on how to pray through this uh, inner, internal calling. And then soon enough, it was um, that internal calling was uh, affirmed by uh, local churches that um, ended up, uh, one local church in, in Flushing, Queens, that, that called me as a pastor of youth and English-speaking folk in their church. It was a, it was an immigrant church, and that's how my, I guess, my ministry calling um, kind of came to fruition. Yeah. Well, tell me about Maranatha Grace. Tell us about the church. What's the uh, culture there like? What's the, um, when did you plant it, first of all? You planted it, yes? We did, yeah. Um, 2010, Super Bowl Sunday, was our first, uh, I guess, public worship gathering. And um, we were planted by a Reformed Baptistic church out in Queens, North Shore Baptist Church. I was serving as a uh, a non-staff pastor, elder there for a couple of years. And um, the senior pastor there, a great friend and mentor, Ed Moore, was uh, he and the other elders, they knew my background. We had planted Maranatha earlier and closed that church when I moved down to, uh, to be a part of Sovereign Grace. And his question as I was serving as a, an elder there, as my family was loving life, uh, community life there, was, hey, when are you going to plant that church in Jersey again? And uh, <laughs> again. I was like, never. <laughs> I will never plant another church because uh, I frankly didn't think I was called to be a church planner. Uh, but the Lord had his way. That that local church in Queens uh, ended up planting us, um, again, two years after I had uh, you know, served and done life at North Shore, planted us out uh, across the other side of the Hudson in, in, a, in a small town called Fort Lee, New Jersey. And since that time, we've just been seeking to be faithful. We've been wanting to become a church um, like the church at Antioch that, that plants churches and is engaged in Great Commission work through church planting. And we haven't planted a church yet, but we were, we're that, that's our vision. That's our aim. And, um, since that time, we've been growing and supporting other existing church plants, and so um, again, we just we just want to be faithful to do God's work. Yeah, tell me what ministry is like in the New York City area. What are some of the the challenges, and also some of the encouragements? What are some of the positives that a lot of people don't think about when they think about that mission field? Uh, it's <clears throat> it is a dry and barren land, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it has overtaken the the, the Northwest, uh, the Pacific Northwest, as the least churched or the least uh, Christian um, region of of America. So um, I guess in in that way, uh, we we know what we're dealing with. We know that we're dealing with a uh, a post Christian uh, area and people. Uh, there, there is a lot of religion. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, Orthodox churches and a lot of uh, Jewish um, folk, religious and non. So it is a very diverse, diverse area, um, both um, you know ethnically, culturally. Uh, so those are some of the challenges that we face. But again, uh, I, I think knowing what we're facing helps us 
um, the helps us in, 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 in our aim to, to be clear about what the gospel is, to be clear on uh, what the, the, the mission of the church is. And so, um, yeah, our, our church is, is, by God's grace, uh, pretty multicultural. Uh, that's, that's part of our vision, to, to do the best that we can to reflect the demographics of, of our area. And so <clears throat> while that is challenging, um, you know, ministering to people from different backgrounds, different uh, ethnicities, different uh, socioeconomic um, backgrounds as well, educational backgrounds, um, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's our call as a, as a local church, to, to, to be ministering and reaching out to, uh, to, to, to the greater community uh, around us. We're, we're the city of God. Um, uh, ministering to the, the the city of man, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's 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 been challenging, but it's it's been a joy as well. Do you feel like the the missional context has shifted in such a way, um, culturally or spiritually, just in the last ten years, or or or, or since you planted it in two thousand ten? Do you have to do evangelism differently? today or mission differently today than you did even eight years ago? That's um, a good question. Um, I am one who who firmly believes that the Spirit of God moves through um, the preaching of, of God's Word. Um, it's, uh, we, we are to, to be out on the highways and the byways, proclaiming his gospel, sharing spontaneously, relationally, the gospel of grace. Uh, so I firmly believe that the Spirit will and, and, and does work through a variety of, of, of ways um, uh, that, that we can minister to people. But I would say that as, you know, society and as the culture um, moves to, in this direction of, of being anti Christ, <laughs> anti-Christianity. Um, yeah, we, we, we do need to be all the more um, discerning and thoughtful in how we engage. Let me see if I can expand the question a little bit. Um, sure, sure. So recently, a couple months ago, I heard Tim Keller give a talk in, in Memphis about the shifts just generally in the West and specifically in the United States, not necessarily just in, in New York City or, or in the Northeast. Um, where he said we're entering um, what he called a triple post culture, right? So you alluded to post-Christian. He would say uh, we've gone from a post-modern era to a post-Christendom culture into a post-Christian culture. And, of course, he articulated, um, you know, the difference between post-Christendom and post-Christian. But largely it centers on, um, to some extent, people's, you know, working spirituality, so it's not simply that people identify as no religion, but even the categories have been somewhat thrown out. You know, um, existence of hell and existence, of, you know, existence of sure, heaven, sure. Um, the rise of atheism and that sort of thing, um, where you can be, um, you know, under Christendom, you can be culturally Christian, not a real Christian or what have you, still kind of play sure. with those categories. And now we're in the world where those categories just aren't there. So it, it makes me wonder... You know, obviously the gospel doesn't change. Neither one of us would say that, that, you know, the, you know, the message doesn't change. The message is still power. And yet the way we do 
mission, the way we adorn the gospel, the way that we engage conversations um, in which to present the gospel, I wonder how that has changed. And I'm wondering because you're sort of, you know, there at the you know the epicenter. If um, was it John Lennon or uh, one of the Beatles said New York is the is the new Rome? I mean, it's the center of of, of the world. Sure. Yeah. So if, if that's I think true, John Lennon also said, uh, "God is God is dead." Or right? No, 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 that was Nietzsche. <laughs> no, that was Nietzsche. Lennon said, "We're we're more popular than Jesus," that's or something right. like that, right? In a yeah. concert. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, and he took yeah, a lot yeah, of that, that, thank, thank you. Yeah, I mean, he took a lot of heat for that, but he was right at the time. Sure, <laughs> they were sure. more popular uh-huh. than Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I guess what I'm asking is, do you have you sensed a shift in the last eight years in terms of? you know, how you engage apologetic conversations or, or do you need more apologetics? Do your people need to be trained more in how to have those conversations beyond simply the, you know, the gospel presentation? Yeah, that, that's, that you've definitely spurred something that I, that I could add to that. Um, yeah, I, I think just, you know, understanding, uh, the biblical storyline, biblical narratives, um, People just aren't familiar with 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 the Bible and and stories in the Bible. So I think um, that um, that's something that we have to make clear to our people as they minister to, to minister to their coworkers, their colleagues, and you know classmates um, that that we need to be um, teaching people what the Bible teaches. And yeah, uh, without a doubt, um, in, in in this post Christendom, post Christian. Uh, region, we, we need to be clear on the differences between, um, you know, moralism and religion and, and the gospel of grace. What's interesting, actually, is we have a good number, uh, a large demographic in our church is made up of Asian Americans and uh, specifically Korean Americans. And um, Korean Americans, um, the Korean immigrant community, um, came to many of the metropolitan kind of uh, areas uh, of America. So in these metropolises, you actually have um, um, kind of subcultures of Bible Belt Christianity, kind of like what we have in, in, in the Deep South. And a lot of these um, immigrant Christian churches um, spawned uh, second-generation folk who who grew up in churches, who grew up um, thinking and believing that they were Christians because their parents were so committed and devoted to the local church. And in actuality, a lot of these uh, younger second- and third-generation Korean-Americans um, aren't, aren't they, they don't subscribe, they don't adhere to a, a biblical Christianity. So um, interestingly, a lot of what we've had to to do is kind of deconstruct their understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a local church, and also what it means to be part of a church that is not just all Korean. So um, uh, for, for, for our local church, that's been um, some of the challenges and some of the, um, I guess, uh, uh, so that's, that's the vision that we have uh, to, to minister to, to our specific people in this Metro New York City area. That's good. All right, let's take a moment for a coffee break and hear from our friends at Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students 
equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. Okay, we're back. We're speaking with Juan Kwok, lead pastor of Maranatha Grace Church in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and we've been talking about life and ministry. Um, Juan, let's talk about leadership development. Um, I've been to your church a couple of times. I uh, spent some time with your people you. there. <laughs> uh, spent some time with um, the, you know people then and on one of your men's retreats as well. And you have some great godly and gifted leaders. So I want to know what's the secret sauce. What what processes do you? <laughs> Uh, what do you do to, to develop leaders? Um, obviously, we teach the Word of God. We are um, seeking to um, raise up uh, leaders. We are seeking to equip the saints for the work of, of God's ministry. Um, but I, I find that, um, I, you know, um, yeah, teaching goes a long way, but um, it has to be uh, followed up, and it has to be, um, um, uh, <clears throat> I guess, um, uh, there needs to be modeling. There needs to be modeling, and um, that, that, that needs to happen um, uh, in my life and in the life of, of other leaders, other elders and, and key leaders in the church. So instruction... <clears throat> modeling, uh, really just uh, being uh, as, as the lead pastor in the life of, of the church, um, uh, modeling what it means to be in, um, in, in fellowship with, with the body of Christ, uh, modeling what it means to be living a transparent and um, humble life, um, because, because I need, uh, as a pastor, uh, I, I need uh, my fellow brothers and sisters uh, in Christ uh, just as much as, as they might need me. Uh, as a pastor, so um, that that's been my mo ever since we planted the church. Um, early on, when when I was forming a team uh, to plant Maranatha, um, a lot of I had a lot of young guys. Um, uh, we, we we were short on women, which was a little sad for these guys. <laughs> but um, I just had I just had a lot of young guys move in into my basement, uh, live with us, um, um, and and do life uh, in a very intimate manner. And it was through many of these young guys who are, you know, eight years older, eight years more mature, that the church, the foundation of church leadership, uh, was was um, was developed. And so, um, yeah, nothing nothing revolutionary there. Just teach, preach, model, uh, repent, be humble, and uh, always place a, a vision for our local church ministry before the people, um, and and have the leaders. Um, Lead out in it. Um, uh, one one of the books that I that I use, a book on uh, gospel eldership, uh, written by uh, Bob Thune, talks yep. about being paysetters. Right. I'm always telling our leaders um, uh, and 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 the leaders that we're <clears throat> raising up. Uh, we need to be the paysetters of ministry. We need to be the ones who are you know uh, leading out in. Uh, generosity, leading out in humility, leading out in, in in studying the Word of God and being devoted to Him through prayer, um, and um, that that that's been our 
uh, a recipe. Yeah, I mean, one. is there any in, in intentional or sort of designed or programmatic track that you have where if you were, you know, to identify, you know, this, you know, these set of, uh, of people, um, you know, have the potential to make it to leadership. And so we're going to put you through X, Y, Z, or is it more of an organic, just sort of see how things develop through the life of the church kind of process? Uh, we do have uh, different types of, I guess, um, I wouldn't call them modules or, or pathways. Uh, we're, not, we're not there yet. But we do have, you know, depending on if we think uh, a man is aspiring uh, to eldership, he'll be in a slightly, uh, definitely a, a more, um, um, a, a different type of track than we would have for someone, a, a guy or a gal that we think might be fit for uh, deacon ministry. Or someone who might be, you know, fit for and um, who's modeled, uh, you know, good leadership in terms of uh, community group uh, leading. Or just, um, you know, we have various ministry teams, um, technology, hospitality ministry teams in our church. So depending on the person's capacity, the person's maturity, and the person's gifting, and even availability, we will, um, yeah, we'll, 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 to the best of our wisdom, uh, put that person in a certain track, and we'll have different, you know, uh, reads, different um, uh, coursework, even that that we'll have for 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 that person um, for that uh, role, and we'll do our best to just raise that person up to uh, mature leadership. What are you looking for when you see, um, you know, someone who would be the right fit or or have the potential for that? What do you notice just in? in their life or, or in, in the way they conduct themselves in the church that makes them sort of stand out uh, in terms of leadership potential? Um, first, the basics. I mean, is that person mm-hmm. committed to the body of Christ? Is that person faithful in the little things? Um, I mean, you know, the Word says, um, if you're not faithful in the little things, how can you be given uh, bigger bigger, I guess, responsibilities and oversight. So we'll look for those basics, and uh, we'll also look to see what kind of fruit that person um, that, uh, is, is, is um, evidencing in, in his or her life, in his or her ministry. Um, is that person um, looked upon as, as a leader when, when people have questions or when people wonder about certain things? Who, who do they go to? Who, who do they ask, um, you know, besides the pastors and the elders, um, who, who has that kind of godly influence that we're looking for um, that we can trust um, to, to, I guess, um, give away leadership to? I, I think that's what, that's what we look for. And, um, uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, character, obviously, and um, uh, provenness. Provenness. Has that person proven to be someone that we can um, uh, count on? No, that's good. I, I remember Jonathan Lehman yeah. um, at Capitol Hill talking about how they don't treat, as some might would expect they would, they don't treat the internship program um, as sort of an on-ramp for eldership. Um, or yeah. you know, they don't yeah. have a what you might call an elder training program. He said, you know, we sort of look out mm-hmm. and see – you know, um, men who are already sort of, you know, filling that role without, without the office, Mm -hmm. you know, they, you know, meet the Mm -hmm. character, um, you know, qualifications, 
you know, they're demonstrating that, you know, they at least um, have the potential for the ability to teach and what have you, um, rather than sort of, you know, just, you know, taking a bunch of men and seeing what kind of elders might pop out of the end of a program. Um, they sort of yeah, see, yeah, you know, yeah. who, who's doing this without, yeah. without the title. And I thought that exactly. it, it's somewhat countercultural, but it's also really wise, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it sort of fits. Yeah, so we make yeah. that clear. Yeah. yeah. It kind of fits, you know, where, where Peter says in First Peter 5, um, to shepherd the flock of God willingly, not under compulsion, um, you know, speaking to those who have the office of elder. But I think if you find men who are already, in a sense, um, exhibiting these, these shepherding qualities without the office, then you can see yeah. that they actually, they don't need the compulsion of the office, that you're actually sort of affirming or, or you would be ordaining, I suppose, them for an office that they're already demonstrating, um, you know, qualifications for, which I think. Um, oh, yeah. 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 It, you, really you nailed it. We, we, we tell our folks when we present them as, you know, elder candidates, we just actually, uh, our church just confirmed or affirmed uh, our fifth elder just a couple weeks back. And uh, he was, a, he's a brother who, Justin Lee, who is, who's been serving, doing elder work for a long time, and we made that clear that, um, you know, he's someone who's proven himself to this type of work without the, the office. And so, um, you know, that, that's, some, that's, that's how we go about elders, deacons. Um, so you nailed it. Yeah. What, what are you encouraged by generally in considering the future of ministry in, in uh, sort of a more widely secularizing um, country. I know we just sort of talked about this in terms of New York City and mm-hmm. post-Christian and what have you, but what's encouraging to you? Like when you look out of the future, a lot of people are talking doom and gloom, um, the state of the church, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot just that seems to be going on in our cultural moment right now. Um, oh. and, I mean, it's just a controversial, volatile, polarizing environment we find ourselves in. So what to you is encouraging? What do you see as optimistic? Um, I guess Big picture wise, you know, the name of our church is Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, he's 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 coming again, and he he's promised to us, um, and his promise will prevail that uh, the gates of hell shall not overcome our church, overcome uh, his bride. Um, so that is the big promise that we just you know cling desperately to. Um, I guess when when we see um, not only conversions, uh, not only sinners come to faith. But as, as we see um, uh, God's people maturing, as we see changes in, in, in lives, changes in marriages, you know, marriages being saved, uh, when we see people um, boldly living out their gospel witness, um, you know, at Columbia University, uh, a bastion of, of progressive liberal <laughs> uh, thought and um, um, education, when we see people like that, People who are working in Wall Street, um, in, in you know, in, in the midst of of, of just uh, people who have power and and, and influence and, and a lot, a whole lot of money, right? Um, when we see them understanding that uh, those things in and of themselves um, are not evil, but that they are to be rightly understood and and viewed um, through the the lens of the gospel, the gospel grid. Um, yeah, when, when I just see how the Spirit of God is working in, in the lives of people, 
that's that's encouraging and that's inspiring and that just uh, points back to you know God's faithfulness and how He works and how His gospel you know uh, changes and transforms people. That's a great note to finish on, Juan. Brother, thanks so much for coming on the program. Hi, man. I'm looking forward to a normal pastor conference because that's what I am. (laughs) (laughs) Just try to be faithful. Oh, that's awesome. We've been hanging out with Juan Kwok, lead pastor of Maranatha Grace Church. If you've enjoyed this conversation, you can check out the video content that we have with Juan featured at the For the Church website. That's ftc.co. You can search for his name or search in the author index. And we've got several videos with Juan um, sharing his wisdom on a variety of topics. And as he mentioned, I'd love to take this opportunity to invite you to the Normal Pastor Conference this August 10th and 11th in Kansas City, Missouri. Juan and myself will both be speaking, along with John Ambuchekwa, D.A. Horton, and Nathan Rose. Space is limited, so sign up soon at lbcliberty.org slash normalpastor, lbcliberty.org slash normalpastor, or you can Google the Normal Pastor Conference, and I'm sure that you'll find it. As always, if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Review us on iTunes. Every little bit helps. From Midwestern Seminary, this is Jared Wilson saying, until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, managing editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.